How about that, Rube? That was a pretty big win for the Eagles. Yeah, well, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, I don't think anything could have made uh, Eagles fans happy than running the ball almost 50 times. Um, now, that's not going to work against everybody. It's not like, oh, why weren't they doing that from the start? I mean, they should have been doing it to some extent. Uh, but against that team, it was exactly the right game plan, exactly the right execution. Um, they, they, they used that running game to, to build a lead. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't have to throw, didn't throw that much. Made a couple, a couple of nice throws. Didn't do anything, um, anything egregiously wrong. Didn't miss anybody. But today was all about the running backs, and to do it without Miles Sanders uh, is is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, Boston Scott and, Jan- and Jordan Howard haven't played this year. Jordan Howard hasn't even been on the roster. He still hasn't been on the roster. He's on the he's on the practice squad still, technically. And Boston Scott had seven carries after Miles got hurt last week, and that's his only carries all year. So two guys who haven't been part of the offense really had. Uh, a, a big part of, of what they did. But really, to me, it wasn't really the backs as much as the, the O-line. I thought the O-line really for the first time had a chance to – what's so funny? We're in the intro, and you're just off and running on this running attack. Oh, well, you know, I get carried away. I, I have – I have. this is like been stored up for two months. But anyway, um, yeah. They you mind if it. I just mention that this is the Eagle Eye podcast brought to you by Nissan. I'm Dave Zangaro. That's Ruben Frank already rambling about the uh, – the Eagles running attack, but we, we, we are going to get to the running attack. I promise in just a minute. Uh, but we have a lot of other stuff to talk about as well today. Uh, the Eagles defense, they were you aggressive. Just let me go. You just, sometimes you just got to let me go. You got to let me just run with it. Just roll I got to, I got to announce the show and, and give our sponsors some love. No rules when you win 44 to six, there's no rules. Yeah. And I should mention that the final score 44 to six, it wasn't even that close. I mean, the Eagles really dominated against the Lions on Sunday. It was that close a, score. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that close. The Lions wasn't stink. That, wasn't that the same score as the Dallas game in 2008? It was, yeah. Yep. When, when they uh, clinched the playoff spot, Rashad Baker picked off Jeff Garcia, and, uh, and the Raiders upset the whoever. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Really upset. I mean, this tangent's got people wishing you would start talking about the running attack again. <laughs> Forty-four to six is not the most common score. It's just—it's not. You know, they, had, they had the two long fumble returns by Jose Johansson and Chris Clemens. Yeah, but anyway, um, can I can I speak now? Do I have your permission to talk about the running game? Yeah, go ahead. Well, just yeah, and the the backs really ran hard. I thought Jordan Howard looked great for not really hadn't played significant snaps in two years since he got hurt. Uh, two years ago against the Bears, November 3rd, almost two years ago to the day. Uh, but I thought the O-line is really what made the, the, the running game work. Uh, and a lot of that was with Jack Driscoll uh, out of the game, Nate Herbig at right guard. And um, they just were able to dictate, look, I'm under no illusions that the Lions are a good football team. Um, they didn't fight back. But this is what you do when a team doesn't fight back. You, you know, you, um, you beat them down with your running game. You have this big 
strong, powerful, massive O-line and you let them loose, you let them dictate and, and, and you run the ball 50 times and, and they did exactly what they had to do. And it was, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch Eagles football for a change. Yeah. And it wasn't, look, I understand. You're right. This is the lions and they stink, but you still got to play them. And this is a lions team that a lot of the talk heading into this weekend was about how hard they play. You know, they, they gave the Rams all they could handle. They nearly beat the Ravens. That? Huh? That was you saying that. Well, they did. I mean, they did play them hard. And they, they and it wasn't just me. They act like I'm the one who was saying they're playing hard. That was a big talking point. But you, yeah, I know. I understand. I'm just, you said it on the last podcast, you were just saying how, which is true. I'm not disagreeing. It was true. Yeah. And they it, haven't been blown out. They haven't been. So for the Eagles to come here and maybe look, who knows, maybe Dan Campbell get fired tomorrow and you say, all right, but the Eagles still had to go out there and still had to execute. And the way they won this game was by doing things they haven't done in previous games. Now, sure, the Lions allow you to do some of those things offensively and defensively, but you still credit the Eagles coaching staff for doing those things. And, you know, as much, I wonder if they would never admit it, but there was so much talk about the Lions play hard, the Lions play hard, the Eagles play hard. You know, they've, they've stunk for the most part this year, but they've played pretty hard and their head coach kind of came under fire this week because he talked about flowers and everyone made fun of him, but turns out he got through to him. Yeah. And, and like I said, um, it doesn't matter what we all think or what fans think or what anybody says about his speeches. If his speeches are getting through to the players, which clearly they are because they, like you said, they do play hard and they, and they, there's no quit in this group and uh, something clicked this weekend. They, you know, it sounds like they had a great week of practice and uh, Rodney gave a little speech to them and a little wake up call. We're two and five. We're not where we want to be. Um, look, they, they played well, regardless of who they were playing. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. I mean, they did good things. Um I don't, I don't know what other teams they would have beat. It's not about that. They did what they had to beat the team that they were playing. You know, it's, you, you beat anybody on the road in the NFL. That's, that's a good win. When you're two and five, you know, I mean, people are going to make fun of the Lions and everything, but the Eagles played well. They played well. And, and uh, it was when they had to, you know, they had to have their, I mean, they're, they're three and five now. And the schedule, look, the, the toughest teams that they play are in the rearview mirror. And, you know, we kind of thought that this it was going to play out kind of like this. And, you know, we'll see where they go from here. I mean, the Chargers are very good um, coming in, but um, there's some winnable games on the schedule. And I think a win like this kind of reinforces that, that in their mind that, you know, if, if we do the things we're supposed to do, we listen to our coaches, we practice hard, we play hard, we play smart, we can win some games. And uh, I don't think we're going to go to the playoffs maybe, but we can salvage something out of the season. Yeah, and it, it just kind of lets you know that with the coaching staff, maybe they will – I'm not saying it yet, but maybe they're going in the right direction. Maybe Nick Sirianni can coach. Maybe Jonathan Gannon can coach. I mean, that's what you're looking at from this year. Uh, and, and, look, it's it's just a positive thing to get a win because the team needed a win in, in the worst way. Uh, all right, now let's talk about the run game, even though we've talked about it a bunch already. I, I thought that, obviously, they had this in their minds they are going to be able to run in this game. But I appreciate that Nick Sirianni said his old line were coming to the sideline saying, let's let's keep it going. We, we've got this. And I, I think every offensive lineman wants to run the football. They want to go forward. They want to assert their will. 
And I think there's something, and we heard Brennan Staley a few weeks ago talk about the physicality of the, of the run game and why it's important. And I think that had a big part in today. You can kind of take the will out of a team if you crush them on the ground. And that's what happened. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I'm glad he listened. And, you know, that. I mean, people, people argue with me, well, you know, it's not a running league anymore. You have to run it a little bit. You have to try to do it. And what I liked is that he stuck with it. And eventually the Lions, you know, made some adjustments. And, and you know, those 10-yard runs and 8-yard runs were now 3- or 4-yard runs. He kept doing it. And he kept sticking with it. And, uh, you know, they, they kept moving the chains. And they finally controlled the clock. I mean, so many good things happened when you run the ball, the clock keeps moving. You keep the other defense on the field. You get your defense some rest. And I think defenses like seeing offenses run the ball. You know, they, they like it because it's their kind of football. It's physical football. And, you know, Jordan Howard's a physical runner. Boston Scott's a tough physical runner. He's a tough little kid. Uh, he's like, I mean, he's so short, you know, but he's really good. He's got great vision. Um, he's got great balance. He, he's like, he's so effective, effective at the goal line because he sees things really well and he 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 i don't know if he is almost invisible because he's like so far down but um he's always been a great goal and i'll tell you one thing that struck me today watching those two guys is that they should have had a role especially jordan howard i think should have had a role um you know earlier than this i mean he he can play and and i don't know maybe they didn't even have a role for their starting running back earlier. Yeah, I know. I know. It's maybe I was going to say it's, it's a lot to ask. They have some really good backs. I mean, I think Gainwell is a really talented receiver. Um, but I, I mean, to me, their best runners are, are Miles, Jordan, and Boston. And, um, you know, maybe this will convince Nick to, I mean, Jordan's still, like I say, still not even on the roster. And I don't know where, what you do with them. You know, you're certainly not going to you know, make any moves with Gainwell. There's only so many spots for running backs, but um, I, I think there's a, a if, if I was a coach, there's a role for both those guys. You know, Boston's a really good receiver. They haven't really thrown to him this year. Um, they still haven't really gotten the screen game going. Um, and I don't think they will, but uh, yeah, look, it was fun to watch those guys. Jordan Howard is to me is such a great story. I mean, this guy was a pro bowler and a two-time thousand-yard rusher. He was one of the leading rushers in the league when he got hurt halfway through the 19th season, and he gets cut by the Dolphins. He comes here at the end of the year for garbage time last year. Then he gets cut uh, after training camp. He's on the practice squad. He thought his career was over. I mean, he talked about that this summer. He's like, I was thinking about going back to school and getting a degree, and what's my next move going to be? And, you know, per perseverance, determination are – are great things. He got, he got himself in the best shape he's been in in a while. And he finally got his chance that he didn't even know, like if miles hadn't gotten hurt, Jordan Howard may never have played this year. Um, I just love that kind of story. I, I love a good story about a guy just sticking with it. I mean, pro bowl to the practice squad. You don't see that too often, you know, and, and he, you know, he did everything he was asked to do today. And, and he's just a fun back to watch. He's just so physical and so tough. And there was one play, I think he was like, he had like three guys around him at two yards into the run, and he ended up getting seven yards. He just dragged like three guys five more yards. It's my kind of player. Yeah, and, and Boston does that too for being you know, low center of gravity. He kind of drags guys with him. Yeah, the Jordan Howard stories, it, it's pretty fascinating. And the Eagles have had their practice squad guys in recent years have to, to play well, but 
the difference here is that Jordan, you're right. I mean, 26 year old former pro bowler on the practice squad. It, you don't come across that on most teams. Yeah. It was a good performance by him. Um, and, and that O-line, I mean, to, to have Jack Driscoll leave the game, plug Nate Herbig in and no they drop kept off. rolling. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was impressive. And that's not to say the Lions have a great front. They, they really don't, but who cares? Who cares? That's going to be a lot of the talk this week. There's going to be a lot of butts, but it was the Lions, but they were on, but I, and I get it. I get it. And it's not like you change your expectations for this Eagles team. With that said, it's still a nice one. I like how you didn't say, but you said, with that said, to avoid having all those butts in there. That was, that was slick. Um, yeah. I thought one, you know, who played well was Landon Dickerson. I thought he, he might've had his best game. Now, again, who was he playing against? But um, it was, it was good to see him kind of assert himself. There were some plays where I thought he was really physical and, and, uh, and, and it was a big part of what they were doing, running the ball, isn't it? Cause it was mainly inside stuff, mainly inside runs. Um, and, you know, of course, Jalen was a big part of that, but they finished with 236 rushing, I think. Yeah. Uh, 236 Jalen led the team with 71 and look, some of his were, were really impressive runs. He had that third and 12. He was able to move the sticks on. Look, I, I think there were still some moments where he, he leaves the pocket a little earlier than he needs to, but there were some other moments where uh, there was pressure and he avoided it and he got out and uh, he wasn't asked to do a whole ton or, or a whole lot in the past game. I didn't think he had his best passing performance, but those runs were big and that's part of what he is. I mean, you can't sit here and talk about him as a passer and then just like forget about the running. That's a big part of his game. And, and that showed up. Yeah, you're right. And you know, the right, I mean, he almost had a touchdown pass the Rager one, you know, originally it was called a touchdown, but yeah, to me, it does, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm not going to be critical of any quarterback that just engineered a 44 to six win. Uh, I, I thought Jalen did everything he had to do. I thought there was one play where he stood tall in the pocket and waited and waited and waited and looked, surveyed the field and then took off. You know what? I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. If there's nothing there, I mean, it's a weapon for him. He's a really good runner and we probably don't get, I mean, I think there's a sense of people are disappointed when he runs because he should be throwing. And once, you know, a couple of times a game, some games a little more than that, that's the case. But it's, it's going to happen. It's, it's not that you're never going to get rid of that completely from any running quarterback. Right. But it's he's just so good at it. I mean, he gets 10 yards a pop today and those are big yards. He had he converted three. Um, he, had, he converted three third and longs. One was second and long um, with long runs. I mean, who cares if he's thrown it or passing it? And again, I, like all these running dual threat guys evolve as quarterbacks now i don't know how much he will evolve but they oh they all get better the more they they work on it and i don't think he was bad throwing the ball he had some good balls today i don't think he missed anybody um Devontae had a drop um he had the one off schedule where he probably should have hit Devontae, but that was a tough right sideline down there yeah yeah that was i mean, I mean i'm being nitpicky because there were yeah. only 14 attempts yeah yeah um he did what he had to do. I, I got no qualms with, with Jalen. There'll, there'll be games where he's asked to do a lot more and, you know, we'll evaluate him then, but I, I was fine with him. Yeah. And, and, I, and we've talked about, and you wrote about it that, you know, help the kid out, run the ball a little bit, take some off his shoulders. And they did that and it was very effective. Yeah. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, score big with the AAA Eagles MVP membership, along with the superb roadside assistance and discounts you've come to expect from AAA. Get exclusive Eagles-related perks. For all the details, visit AAA.com slash Eagles. Eagles defense looked pretty good in this game. They looked like a different defense in this game, and we kind of knew they were going to have to do that because so much of their defense has been to take away big plays. And guess what? The Lions just don't have any big plays in them, so they needed to get aggressive, and they did. Yeah, they did, and they, they got after Goff. Um, boy, he's awful. Um, hard to believe how good he was. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, by the way, did you see how the Colts lost? I'm not going to go there. Um, but, uh, yeah, they. it was great to see the D-line really – really dominated the game. I mean, the D-line just, uh, especially early on, they, they really set the tone. Sweat, I think maybe the best game he's ever played, not just the sacks. I mean, he was he was pressuring uh, all, all, all afternoon. Um, you know, I thought Hargrave, even though he didn't get any sacks, I thought he was really good. Uh, Barnett got a sack, too. The young guys got sacks. Milton, I think, at the end of the first half, and then Teron Jackson at the end of the game in the last – Well, Milton's sack was huge. That kept points off the board. Yeah, yeah it sure did. Um, yeah, that was, that was a good play. It was good to see him show up a little bit. I actually missed the Teron Jackson sack. I was on my way down to the, to the, the, uh, press conference room and I missed the Teron Jackson sack. How'd he get it? Relentless pressure. Yeah. Oh, it was good. Even Ryan Kerrigan got some pressure in this game. His <laughs> eyes, we were joking. His eyes had to be so wide going against that right tackle. who was not very good. No, he wasn't. We were joking about who was going to get a sack first, like Jerome McDougal, you know, <laughs> like Hassan Ridgeway back in the actions. You know, he had a he had a sack and a forced fumble. Greg Jefferson was, had a couple it, pressures. It was a, it was a big big game. Even Marlon Tuipulotu got in there and and made some things happen. And it was a big game from the defensive line. But then on top of that, they the, it seemed like the blitzes were timed and dialed up at the perfect time. Alex Singleton on a couple, TJ Edwards on one or two. This was, a, and they were in man a lot more. You know, this was an aggressive game plan from Gannon. And I'm sure a lot of it was based on, you know, what the Lions do. But it was kind of, there, there's a, a symmetry here between the Eagles' offense and their defense. You know, it's a lot of the things they did were so different in this game. And I get that it was game plan dictated because the Lions are who they are. But some of those things can trickle over. I think there can be a balance in running the ball. And I think there can be a balance 
in calling a more aggressive defense and not being so passive. And uh, maybe this game and the way the game plan needed to be designed will show that this team and this coaching staff. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, I mean, look, I think Jonathan Gannon's defenses have been tailored to the fact that they faced some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it's just that they all came kind of in a row. So they, they played the same thing all in a row, but um, no matter what you're, what defense you're, or what offense you're playing, no matter what quarterback, what scheme, you have to you have to change things up, and you have to. I mean, even the even guys that I mean, even Jim Schwartz, who blitzed less than any coach in history that I've ever seen, he would dial it up here and there. Just sometimes you just have to do it just to show it, and and the element of surprise. Um, and I, I thought both sides of the football did that today. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's it'll really have meaning if they stick with some of those, some of those principles that they added to, to what they do today, um, no matter who they're playing. I mean, you, you can't play defense if you're not being aggressive and, and pressuring and you can't let the quarterback just sit back there and pick you apart. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they face a pretty high powered quarterback on Sunday afternoon and at the link and, and we'll, we'll see what JG does. But uh, I, I was encouraged just by the fact that, both sides of the football, Nick and Jonathan Gannon, both changed up, went out of their comfort zone, uh, did things they haven't done, and had some success with it. Yeah, this is the best coaching game we've seen. And look, it's easy to say that when they win 44 to six. And as Jalen Hurts would say, don't be results oriented. You have to be process oriented. But I think the process changed this week. I think that's fair to say because the game plan was clearly different. I'm um, looking through the other, I thought linebacker play was good today. And I think some of that is because the game plan was more aggressive and it took some off their plate. TJ Edwards had a really good game. I thought um, Jared Avery made some plays. Eric Wilson didn't play that helped. He was a healthy. And Alex Singleton played less and mm -hmm. TJ Edwards played more. And I think that's, you know, we talk about these guys talk about accountability all the time and Hey, Alex Singleton is a great story. I mean, the guy plays in Canada, comes over here uh, makes the team, but he has not been playing well. And TJ Edwards comes in and played better than Alex Singleton has. And I'm, you know, I'm under no illusions that either one of these guys is a long-term future solution, a linebacker for this team. But if Alex Singleton's not playing at a high level, put somebody else out there and see if he can. And uh, TJ Edwards played better than Singleton has. I think he's a really short tackler and Singleton's always been a really good tackler, but this year he just, Hasn't been as good. He's missed tackles. He's been out of position. Hasn't covered well. Um, TJ, TJ gives you um, solid tackling. He's a good blitzer, and he's okay in coverage. He hangs in there. Again, he's not a great player, but if he's an improvement, get him out there. And it's good to see. Uh, it was good to see them make a change. Yeah, and I think they're going to keep mixing and matching because they don't, like you mentioned, they don't really have the the long term fixes here. And Singleton, you know, I, I think he can be effective on an aggressive defense. That's the kind of – he's a, a play-with-your-hair-on-fire on type of guy. Right. And asking him to sit back – like, the, what, they're, what they've been doing in this, this cover, too, is it's really tough on the linebackers. They don't have linebackers. So, uh, yeah, I thought the changes were good. Avante Maddox continues to play well. Uh, he had that peanut punch. It was funny. He said he was looking for the ball, and it, before he knew it, Slay was running down the field with it. Oh, did you hear? This was kind of cool uh, for friends who didn't hear. Avante asked Slay for the football. Slay gave it to him. He gave it to his dad, Avante. 
yeah, that was really cool. in the house. Yeah. 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 Some of his family, it was the first chance they, and again, Avante grew up in Detroit and Slay played in Detroit. So it was kind of cool that they yeah. combined on the big takeaway. And they were two of the, the captains for the coin toss, which was cool. Avante's really playing well. Really well. Time to start re- thinking about re-signing him. Yeah. There was a play to Hawkinson where, I mean, I think it was, it might've been their longest, his longest catch. It was like an 18 yard catch maybe. And I thought, I thought Avante had perfect coverage. I mean, Hawkinson's just good. He's our only weapon, he's really. He's our only weapon. He's our only. He's all he got. He's St. Brown's all right. He's okay. Uh, but Avante, I was like, I'm like looking at him. He's like, well, there's nothing else he could have done. I thought he played really well. He's, he's so much better in the slot. And yeah. we, we've known that. I mean, it's not like they had a whole lot of options last year, but I would have rather had him outside, him in the slot and Michael Jaquette outside or something. When's the last time Alex Singleton didn't have a tackle? First time in his career. Is that yeah, right? First, well, that he's played defensive snaps, yeah. Yeah. What did uh, TJ finish with, about 13? 13, yeah. 13, two tackles for loss, one QB hit. Yeah. Milton Williams, by the way, it was uh, – I'll pat myself on the back. I, I mentioned earlier in the game, I like watching him play because he's had a quiet rookie year, but he always seems to – to track runners down he's a big hustle guy and that finally it, those guys get rewarded eventually when you're a defensive lineman like that and you're like he'll make tackles 20 yards down the field that interior linemen don't normally make and it was good to see him get rewarded with that sack yeah yeah two two guys two rookies when's the last time two rookies had their first career sack in the same game i have to look that up sounds like a homework assignment for you <laughs> i've got my assignment i'll get right on it um yeah i think this is i don't know who needed this game more the offense or the defense nick or or jg um probably both, both of them did they really both did both of them were under fire this week honestly nick kind of took a little bit off jg with the flower stuff and in, in, in the public eye. And I look, I don't know how much they care about it. I know they hear it. They're human. They they know what's being said about them. And they and look, I, I think there was also this thought that this was a soft football team because of the styles that they were playing. I mean, on offense and on the ball on defense, they were covered too with the safeties playing 50 yards downfield. So it, people were saying this team was soft. And if there's one thing that'll annoy the hell out of football coaches. It's, it's calling your team soft. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And a performance like this tells you that the coach is still getting through to them. There's no way you beat anybody. Okay, how bad they are, 44 to 6, if the message isn't getting through. And if those, those speeches that fans may laugh at aren't getting through. And, um, you know, I, I talked to a few players after practice or before practice on Thursday, I guess it was, about the flower speech. And I wrote a story about it. And a lot of people gave me grief. They're like, you know, well, what, are, what do you think they're going to say? You think Jack Stahl is going to complain about, you know, I mean, but that's not the point. The point is read what they said. And they all spoke really, you know, kind of deeply about just how much they enjoy the meetings, um, how he always has a different way of, of, of stating his message. And he states it in a way that resonates with the players and is memorable. Like Avante said, you know, he says things, he puts things in different terms and that makes it more memorable. That makes it resonate more. Um, you know, if you want to be negative all the time, it's a, it's a really bad way to live your life. Um, 
look, he's different. He has a different way of expressing himself. I don't know if he's a good coach or not, but I know that his players are listening and they're responding. And, and today they all did, you know, the, the real test comes over these next couple months, but this was a good step for him and, and for, for the whole team. Yeah, that's fair. And all that matters is it, it gets through them. At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car, an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel efficient lineup. The choice is yours. You can get great offers across our full line. Shop your local Nissan store right now at NissanUSA.com. All right, Dave's negativity corner. We need one after a 44 to six win. What do you got? Negativity corner. I don't have a whole lot. Um, well, they benched Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Hurts got benched for Gardner Mitchell. We should have mentioned that pretty prominently. Um, you know, I'll give you one. Um, Devontae had another drop. Um, yeah. Like you said, they didn't throw the ball a whole lot. I think he only caught, what, um, the one ball for 15 yards, uh, which was, I think, a big catch on third down, I believe. Um, yeah, it's, You know, he had either two or three drops last week, depending on what you call a drop. I tend to think he had three. One was thrown behind him, but I thought he should have called. That's four drops in two weeks or three. Um, and they haven't been – I mean, the one today was not a was not a particularly difficult play. Yeah. They lined him up in the slot. He was the first read. They threw it to him. He dropped it. He started the turn. Yeah. Um, he needs to be a little bit better, and he needs to be a little more secure with the ball. I mean, he's – you know, day like today doesn't get all that many chances, but got to catch the ball if you're 10th pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, they gave up the shutout. I know that that was a, a big negative for you because you had a bunch of shutout stats. It would have been a lopsided shutout win since 1949. I won't say anything. I remember doing the podcast after the game with, uh, <laughs> with all with red Smith. <laughs> you were recording it on like a Victrola. <laughs> we recorded it on a turntable uh, on a 78. <laughs> uh, I have another one. I thought there were a few speed rushes that gave Jordan Mylotta trouble. I'm wondering if that knee's not right. That's interesting. Um, I'll have to go back and rewatch it. And it, it might have been like two plays out of, what, 70. But I just noticed that a, a guy was running free. I'll give you one. Where was Fletcher Cox today? Gonna blame he the played coach. a screen. He did get a tackle on a screen, which is ironic. I messaged you after that because he was like, I don't play screen. That's not what he, he did make a tackle on a screen eight yards down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is – I thought this was a game really well suited to Fletcher Cox, you know, making some plays. And um, I thought maybe he'd get a couple sacks. He didn't have anything. Did he have a tackle? What do you have? Did yeah. He have well, he had that tackle on the screen. Yeah, that was it. So – Oh, we what? forgot to mention, this isn't negative. We forgot to mention Dallas Goddard, another big game. He, yeah. I mean, two games now into the post-Zach Ertz era, two 70-yard performances. He, he's acquitting himself quite well in that role. Yeah, and you can see you can see Hertz comfort level thrown to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all miss Zach Ertz and wish him, wish him the best. But, I mean, this makes so much sense. And I think, was it you that asked Dallas after the game about just being able to – be comfortable on the field and not run back and forth on and off the field. Yeah, 50 it's times. a rhythm thing. It's a rhythm thing. And um, he's a really good player. And uh, yeah, what do you have three for 
70 last week and six for 70 today, something like that. 71, I think. Six for 72. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had 72 of their 114 receiving yards. He had all yeah. but 44 of their receiving yards. Quez caught a couple balls. Um, well, that could so, be a negative. Overall, the, the receiver play, Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't asked to do a ton. Uh, Rager had some gimmicky runs early that they, they picked up yards then he yeah. left with an ankle injury yeah he had a 10 and 11 and then caught that pass and i thought he was in uh, but his knee was down um they're just trying to invent ways to use him and they're running out of options i mean he's yeah. he's is he, he's more of a weapon running the ball than receiving that's that's great if he's an undrafted guy out of bemidji state but he's a first round pick yeah. i don't know how do, do you have any sense of how badly he's hurt with that ankle well, I'm not sure. They did cart him in. Um, yeah. I haven't heard anything since the game, but they did cart him in. So it is a, it's a long walk from their sideline. There's only one uh, tunnel in this stadium. So it is a far walk. Maybe that played a role. Um, they'd list him as questionable at first and then downgraded in the out. So it, it's tough to tell. There weren't really any clues from that. I mean, if, if he misses some time, you know, it's interesting because – I mean, Quez, Quez, I mean, Quez is, should be, I mean, their, their snaps have been about even. I mean, Quez is just it's better than him. He's just better than him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. And who's on the practice squad receiver-wise? Fulgham's gone. Oh, uh, Hightower. Hightower's there. Is he the only one? There's got to be another one. They have another guy that they brought in, right? Um, they brought Cole, that- Dion Cole. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Pageview. <laughs> Yeah, well, he knows. I mean, he he's been with Sirianni before, so yeah, he'd so, probably be ready if they needed him. But I mean, in the meantime, it probably means more Greg Ward, and maybe it'll give if if Rager is out, maybe it'll give Quez some time as an outside receiver. Uh, he's been obviously in the slot a lot, probably a little more. You know, if they bring Greg Ward in, they'll move Ward in the slot and put Quez outside. Maybe a little more J Jaw, though he left the game with an ankle injury too. Yeah. Um, it was good to see Quez catch a like a mid-range ball down down by the down in the red zone. That was a nice catch too. It was. Um, there was some traffic like around to, him. I'd like to see him catch a higher volume of, of passes and not just be a, a go route type guy. And I think he's got some he you catches. Say root. What's that? You say root. Go route, go route. Um, he catches the ball really well, and we know he can run. So get him the ball in some higher percentage plays, mid-range. Yeah, like, I'd like yeah. to see that too. Um, the last thing we want to talk about, Lane Johnson did an interview with Fox Sports' Jake Glazer that aired before the game, but we had a chance to talk to, to Lane after the game. Uh, obviously, this was his second game back. He missed three games, right? Three games from uh, the Kansas City game on as he dealt with some mental health issues, depression, anxiety. Uh, he opened up a little bit more, and, and he gave some more detail uh, to media members after the game. And this is the one thing we didn't know from the, the Fox Sports report, but he had actually been on, on meds for his depression and anxiety. And he had kind of weaned him. He tried to, like, take himself off of it, and it led to some withdrawal symptoms, which is, you know, the, the mental health ended up being physically manifesting itself. And that's where he was uh, when he missed the time. He, he was in a bad place. He drove home to Oklahoma, and uh, it seems like he's doing better now you know, um, which is a good thing. We're all happy he's all right. Uh, 
give him a ton of credit for speaking up and speaking out about it. I don't know if you saw this Calvin Ridley release a statement that he's stepping away from football uh, for now. And it, it seems like within the last year or so, uh, athletes are feeling a lot more empowered to talk about this stuff. And it's good because Lane said he, he thinks there's a lot more guys dealing with these issues than, than we know about publicly and even that their teammates know about. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much value in Lane doing what he's doing. Brandon Brooks, what he did a couple of years ago, um, getting it out in the open and, um, and, and letting people know that this is something, no matter how big and powerful you are, sport of gladiators, he called it. Um, this can affect anybody, no matter what their salary is, no matter what their occupation is, no matter how popular or famous you are, what kind of house you live in. It's not about that. And uh, I give him so much credit. Um, you know, he, he could have he blamed this on anything and nobody would have ever known. Um, but he's been, he's been open about it. And um, he's going to help a lot of people out there who are going to be, you know what, I need to get some help. You know, I'm not doing well. I need to get some help. Uh, if Lane Johnson can be brave enough to do it, I'm going to do it. And um, that's, I just give him so much credit. Yeah. And I think he kind of had a template from Brandon Brooks a few years ago and how open he was. And even I remember at that time, we kind of got a glimpse into Lane's issues because he, you know, he was asked about Brandon. He said, well, yeah, like I'm there with him throwing up before games. So it's not like this was a complete surprise with Lane, but I don't think anyone maybe outside of a few people really knew the extent of it. So uh, we'll see how he does. It's, it's one of the, and I, we made the point a few weeks ago that it's not like Lane's back and he's going to be like, we don't know. That's the, that's the important thing to remember. It's not a, it's not something you just get over and you're fine and you live your life. I mean, it's, it's going to be there for him. So, uh, but I do think there is probably a, like a, a, freeing feeling to having it out there in a weird way and i don't yeah. want to put words in, in lane's mouth I think he, said, he said that yeah they say that yeah I, I think well that makes sense right like you don't have to hide it people know what you're going through uh and then hopefully it makes it a little easier for him to deal with it yeah i thought he played well i mean i, th I think he's played well since since he's been here um you know and the whole thing's been complicated by his you know these long-term ankle issues that he's had yeah go back three years, four years, four seasons. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's playing really well and, um, you know, hopefully he's back for good. Yeah. Hope so. All right. That's all we've got. If you enjoy the Eagle Eye podcast, please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah. And again, anything else before we wrap this up, Rube? That's it. Trade deadline on Tuesday. We won't talk to the people before then. What do you think? Something happening? I think Dillard goes. Okay. You're on record. I, I, I think so, too. I think there's a good chance. Yeah. All right. We'll that's it. This has been the Eagle Eye Podcast presented by Nissan. For Rube, I'm Dave. We'll talk to you soon.